Hello, and welcome to episode 39 of The Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfor-Stewart. Today's episode is about motivation, and it is a really big topic. There has been lots of research done, and books have been written, and of course, we all have firsthand experience every day with the impact of motivation or lack thereof. As managers, we're responsible for our team members accomplishing their individual and collective goals. Yes, we have to motivate people to get the work done, but that's not all. We also have to motivate them to work in ways that foster the culture that will serve the team best. So what can we do as managers to motivate our team members, and honestly, sometimes ourselves? Now let's get to it. You're listening to The Modern Manager, a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rock star boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Now here's your host, Mamie Canfor-Stewart. The dictionary definition of motivation is, and I quote, a strong reason to act or accomplish something, end quote. So the process of motivating someone is about providing or fostering that strong reason to act. Now, before we go any further, I want to reiterate that the focus of this episode is motivating people to show up differently in the workplace. Things like motivating your team members to help each other, or to take more risks and be creative, or strive for excellence. Those things that make the team thrive. This is different from motivating team members to get the work done, to stop procrastinating and just get on with it. That will be a different episode. But for now, how do you get a colleague to act in new ways? Where I've landed after lots of research and experience is that people will change their behavior when they know what behavior is expected and they have the capacity and opportunity to do that behavior and they understand why it's important, get rewarded for doing it, and feel the consequences for not. So let's break this apart. First, people need to know what's expected. Too often, we are not explicit with the desired behaviors we want our team members to embrace. I talk about this a bit in episode one, what it means to be an unintentional manager. In your mind, it may be glaringly clear that people should show up on time, give a colleague the benefit of the doubt when something goes wrong, give feedback directly when something can be improved. But if you haven't been explicit about these behaviors that you expect, other people on your team may not know you expect them. The next part is the skill, opportunity, or capacity to act. You say you want people to confront disagreements head-on, but what does that look like in reality? It's not always obvious how to do something or when to do it, even once it's been stated. For example, one team that I'm working with has embraced this idea of taking ownership. It is a great concept, and I really applaud them for lifting it up and being intentional about taking ownership. But how does that translate into action? How would I know if someone was taking ownership? If I'm not sure how to execute the expectation, or I don't feel I have the capacity or the opportunity to do it, I'm probably not going to try very hard. Or maybe I'll try extremely hard, but I'll fail. And all the motivation that you may give me as my boss won't result in much. So be sure the expectations are not only clear, but that your team members are able to act. To take ownership, for example, means to acknowledge when you made a mistake, ideally before it becomes a big deal and to not blame others when something goes wrong, to speak up when you see a potential problem and not assume someone else will, and to help out when something is slipping, even if it's not your main responsibility. 
You may also need to implement processes that enable people to take ownership more easily. For example, maybe you add a section to your weekly team check-in called owning it, and you ask people to share anything they want to publicly own, a mistake they made, that they're running behind schedule, or anything else. Processes, systems, tools, these are all helpful in ensuring people have the capability and the opportunity to meet the expectation. Okay, you've clarified the expectations and you've done your best to ensure that people have the capacity to act. Next up is understanding why it matters. Unfortunately, humans don't all respond to expectations in the same manner. For some people, just having the expectations will be enough to motivate them. But for others, it's really just a prerequisite. Gretchen Rubin, author of The Four Tendencies, posits that there are four tendencies for how people respond to expectations. Gretchen says that not all expectations are the same, and how we respond to internal and external expectations impacts our motivation to act. She says there are upholders, who are people who excel at meeting both inner expectations and outer expectations, questioners, who are people who meet inner expectations but question and struggle with outer expectations, obligers, who are people who do well with outside expectations but really struggle with their own, and rebels, people who push against both inner and outer expectations. I just took her free online tendency quiz, which I will link to in the show notes, and according to that, I'm a rebel, meaning I push against expectations I set for myself and those set for me by others. She says rebels are often inspired to act based on their identity rather than expectations, and this totally resonates with me. In general, I'm less concerned about what's accepted or what's expected and more concerned with living up to my own self-concept. As a quick and somewhat silly example, I know there's a norm in business of responding to emails within 24 hours, but personally, I think that's a ridiculous norm. We get way too many emails to respond to all of them within 24 hours. But because I conceive of myself as a responsible businesswoman, I will be sure to respond to emails within two days three at the very most. I say all this because Gretchen suggests that there are different strategies for approaching expectations that motivate each of the four tendencies. For questioners, the idea of being told what to do can sometimes backfire into an automatic, I am not going to do that response, usually because it doesn't make sense to them. In this case, they need to understand the why behind the expectation. Why do we expect people to respond to email in 24 hours? Why do we expect everyone to be at their desks by 9 a.m.? Why do I as a boss expect everyone to come prepared to a meeting, having read the pre-work? Going back to where I started, I had said, people will change their behavior when they know what behavior is expected. They have the capacity and opportunity to act. They understand why it's important. Get rewarded for doing it and feel consequences for not. Some of us need to understand and even buy into the why of the behavior. What's different when everyone gives real-time feedback to one another? How will it make us better as a team or able to accomplish more? In essence, why should I care about this expectation, especially if it goes against my natural ways of working or could cause me discomfort, like having to admit I rushed when sending an email to a client and sent them the wrong version rather than blaming it on not saving properly or that I sent another email that must have gotten lost in outer space. But even knowing why something matters isn't always enough. Many times, if it doesn't seem to matter whether or not I do this behavior, I just won't do it. And this is where models of motivation are really useful. Daniel Pink, author of Drive, The Surprising Truth About What Motivates Us, 
says we should think of motivation in general as a two-by-two matrix. On the top dimension, you have internal or intrinsic motivation as the first column, and external or extrinsic motivation as the second column. And then along the side, you have positive or reward as the top row, and negative or punishment as the second row. To help make this a little bit clearer, let's look at an example from each of those four quadrants. Internal or intrinsic positive motivation might be that you enjoy helping others, so stepping up to lend a hand gives you a sense of satisfaction, whereas an external positive motivator is like a reward. It might be money or praise or something that other people will provide for you when you do what's expected or what's asked of you. A negative internal motivator is something like embarrassment or guilt. For example, I don't want to make a fool of myself by asking questions on content that might have been in the pre-work, or I don't want to look silly up on stage, so I'll make sure that I prepare properly. Negative external motivators are akin to punishments. Maybe your boss has had this kind of straightforward talk with you, or maybe you've had it with a team member. Something like, if this behavior continues to be a problem, we'll need to have a serious talk about your future here. Clear rewards and consequences help people get over the hump once they already know what they should be doing, how to do it, and why. Ideally, we can tap into people's own intrinsic motivators, both those positive and negative. For example, maybe a colleague prides herself on being a team player, and connecting the action of giving feedback to being a team player might inspire her internal motivation. Alternatively, maybe you have a colleague who really wants more responsibility and fears that if he can't give feedback, no matter how uncomfortable it might be, he'll never get moved into a management role, regardless of whether that's actually the case. Our job as the manager is to find both the internal and external motivators that resonate for each of our team members. BJ Fogg, founder of the Behavior Design Lab at Stanford University, says there are three core motivators, each with two sides. In his research, he's found people are motivated by sensation, that of pleasure or pain, anticipation, meaning hope or fear, and belonging, meaning social rejection or social acceptance. The sensation of pleasure as an external motivator may be receiving praise or recognition. So when a colleague owns up to a mistake, you thank them for their honesty rather than scolding them for the error, which sadly is what happens when managers aren't intentional. They say they want one thing, but then when a colleague does that, they punish them rather than reward the behavior. And I've definitely had this happen to me. A colleague asked me directly for feedback, so I gave her honest feedback, and rather than her thank me, she got really upset and defensive and basically made me never want to give her feedback again, which is the exact opposite of what she says she wanted. So you need to be prepared to reward the behavior that you've asked for. For example, celebrate those crazy ideas even if they're nowhere near possible. Give an award for the person who stepped up and did what it takes, even if their regular work wasn't anything above and beyond. Send a handwritten note after someone gives you direct feedback, letting them know you appreciate it, even if you disagree with their analysis. And, of course, be clear about what the consequences are. Perhaps you want to include these new expectations in the performance review. Let people know this is not just a nice-to-have. You're serious. And if they aren't going to live up to these expectations, it's going to reflect poorly on them in their monthly or annual performance review. So this was a lot of theory and models, and I want to restate it in simpler terms and then provide some actionable steps. So to motivate your team to take on new behaviors, you need to do five things. Be clear about what the behaviors and expectations are. 
then ensure that people have the capacity and the systems and support and the opportunity to do those behaviors. When you communicate, be sure that people understand not only the expectations, but why these expectations are important and how they will positively impact them as an individual and the team or company at large. Then help people feel rewarded for meeting those expectations and let them know what the consequences are and follow through on those. So first things first, you need to decide if you want the team to generate these expectations of behaviors or if you want to set them. Having the team generate them creates even more buy-in, although the process does take more time and you'll ultimately have less control over what behaviors are agreed upon. Now, neither of these are inherently bad. It just depends on your goals. If you want to set the expectations, perhaps you already have something in mind. Or maybe you need to start by reflecting and make a list of the expectations you have for how your team will work at its best. Think about what matters to you. What do you believe will enable your team to accomplish great things together? What do you wish everyone did regularly that perhaps only a few are doing or only happen occasionally? If you're going to approach it as a team, I suggest you start with a concept like respect or being proactive and bring the team together to talk about what that concept looks like in action. Ask the question, if we're being respectful to each other, to one another's time, what actions would you expect to see? What language would be used? What behaviors would be commonplace? When you introduce or settle on a specific expectation and behavior, you'll need to communicate clearly why this matters and how the team will support this new expectation. So for example, if you've gone from respecting people's time to that means we show up prepared for meetings, you could reflect on your own or ask the team, how will our meetings be better when we all show up having done the pre-work? How will this save people's time? Connect this new behavior directly to the benefits the individual will experience and that the team will receive. Also discuss together what processes, tools, or other approaches will help people be successful with this new behavior, as well as how you'll hold each other accountable. For example, commit to sending pre-work at least 48 hours in advance. Maybe you agree that pre-work will take no more than 15 minutes to complete, and that you'll send an email reminder the morning of the meeting. In terms of accountability, reward, and consequences, be clear how you'll celebrate and what will happen if the behavior doesn't change. Maybe you add a positive celebration to your team meeting, where you track how many meetings you've had in a row where people have come prepared. Or perhaps you create a new Slack channel specifically for appreciating and praising this new behavior. In terms of consequences, for example, be clear that you will no longer be reviewing pre-work during meetings. So if people come unprepared, they'll have a harder time contributing. Now here comes the tricky part. The part that taps into individual motivation. You need to figure out what motivates each of your team members. Who will be motivated already because this process provided what they needed? Who might you need to talk to separately to connect this new practice to being a role model on the team? Who will only take it seriously the first time they show up for a meeting and you don't review the pre-work, but instead just keep going and they feel like they can't contribute properly? To help you figure this out, you can do a few things. First, you could have fun as a team and have everyone take Gretchen Rubin's Four Tendencies free quiz, which is linked in the show notes. You can read her book or an article together and share your results. Sometimes simply being aware of your own tendency will help you act differently. And for sure, knowing this information about your team members will help you as you strategize about how to communicate and motivate them on lots of topics. You can also reflect on each of your team members' past behaviors. 
When do they act their best? How have they responded to positive and critical feedback in the past? What aspect of the BJ Fogg model have you seen resonate with them? Do they respond to praise or fear or maybe the need to belong? Look for any insights or themes that might help you figure out what motivates them and how you can tap into their intrinsic motivation too. You should also check out episode nine, show meaningful and authentic appreciation to help you think about ways you can reinforce and reward people in meaningful ways when they complete these new expectations or behaviors. Lastly, be sure to follow through, show that appreciation, offer praise, execute the consequences no matter how tempting it is to backtrack. And of course, you have to role model the behavior yourself. To help you motivate your team members, check out the free mini guide available at mamieks.com slash mini guides. Or if you are already a subscriber to my newsletter, it will be in your inbox. For the full guide on this episode, become a member of the Modern Manager community on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash modern manager. When you join, you'll also get access to all the previous episode guides and guest bonuses. And if you've joined at the bandmate level, you can attend a group coaching call with me. These intimate conversations are where we tackle your specific management problems. All these links are in the show notes. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Meetings are one of the most critical components of healthy collaboration and teams are at the heart of how we work. Meteor helps you use your time in meetings productively, build healthy relationships with your colleagues, and move work forward. To learn how we do it, visit meteor.com. That's M-E-E-T-E-O-R.com. You've been listening to The Modern Manager. You're already becoming a rock star boss of a thriving team. I can tell. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player and join the mailing list at mamieks.com slash podcast. That's M-A-M-I-E-K-S dot com slash podcast to get show notes and other special content delivered directly to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.